Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome in. Dennis Fithian with you here on this uh, Tuesday, October 19th. Ready to get things underway with this one o'clock live and lots to talk about when it comes down to U of M and Michigan State, even though one team just got done with a bye and the other one's heading into the bye. We all are looking past this weekend to next weekend, Halloween weekend, when the two teams will clash in a noon, woo, noon kickoff coming up in uh, East Lansing. We'll talk about that kickoff start time as well as uh, the disrespect angle. In this uh, rivalry, it is uh, that that card has been played a, a number of times and every year. It's just a matter at what point it gets out there and somebody plays it, and you start arguing about that. Also, uh, the overconfidence card, which is uh, one that uh, I did not intend to play last year, but I did, and we all know what happened there. I got smacked down. I came down to it, and then. Uh, I'll answer the question, which is more important uh, for the Michigan side when it comes to taking on Michigan State? Is it going to be more is it going to be more on the offense? Is it going to be more on the defense? I'll answer that question. And uh, I had some audio from Bruce Feldman and Jim Harbaugh talking about some quarterbacks and, and Feldman talking about a coaching search that I will um, uh, talk about as well. Let's get things started uh, right away with um, – you know, what's going on with that, that noon start time? A lot of people up in arms about it. And I don't like, um, I start with this. Like, it, it really depends on, uh, of course, it's going to depend on each individual, but it depends on how old you are and, you know, how you like your football and all that. Uh, I have found that um, games that are under the lights, sporting events are under the lights, they're, they're cooler. They look cooler. They uh, they feel more intense. It's just um, it's it's a prime time, and so not being a Saturday night game, a little bit disappointing. Three thirty. It's uh, even though one one of some fallback is Sunday, Sunday. So it, it's not going to be if it was a three thirty kick, four thirty five thirty six thirty. It's right around time. It would be getting. Uh, late, like dust settling in, uh, you know, that'd be a cool look too. So three 30 would be all right. And then, you know, the, the biggest thing for those are th that people that go to the games or you're going to party like wherever to, especially if you're going to the games. I mean, if you're going to a game like to get up at five or six o'clock in the mor morning, get up uh, uh, to East Lansing and, you know, start tailgating, start, you know, pounding drinks at nine o'clock in the morning. You get ready for a noon start. It's a little bit more difficult than you know having the a nice early afternoon game where you got you know five six hours for a night game. Certainly the party is everlasting and you're going nuts. And um, I mean it is. It's a it's a louder crowd. People think more drunk. Bottom line on that. And you know for the most part we're used to when you're talking about going to a party, if you're going to watch a Michigan, Michigan state game, if it was at seven 30, Hey, wow. Saturday night, that night before Halloween party it up, you know, the costumes be going nuts and a little bit of the same thing at three 30 and just a little, not quite the same, you know, at noon, but I'm used to Michigan, Ohio state being uh, a noon kickoff. It's, it's been that way for my entire life, the exception of uh, a few times. I think 2006, the game of the century was a three. I know that it was a 3:30 kick, and hey, you want to move Michigan, Michigan, uh, Michigan, Ohio State back? You know, I'm all right with it. But uh, you know, I've dealt with the new kicks. Now, you talk with people that are in the the media, and they all 
they all love new kicks. And why is that? Well, the, you know, the, the, the writers are all on deadline. I think they, I don't know if they still, I don't know how it works for, for newspapers and how they have to file their stories anymore, but there was a time when they actually had to get it to print where you had to have the story in by 11 o'clock or something like that, maybe even early. So these guys are all frantically typing and everything. And, you know, it's hard to put your thoughts together when you're under the gun like that. That's why those guys get paid the big money. But, you know, I don't know how that works with the, uh, the web now. It's like you file your story when it's in. You get it up on the web and you're ready to go. People can read about it. Uh, at, in, in re- at, I'd say real time, close to real time is, you know, you, you hit send. You don't have to worry about it getting to a newspaper. But, you know, old habits die hard. And, and maybe they still have those deadlines if they do want to get them into the paper. Maybe that's, you know, there are still people that, they get a newspaper out there. So that's the other part. And then, you know, there's enough people that you're so used to a, a 12 o'clock start. And there's a lot of people, let's just talk from a Michigan standpoint, that we're so used to a 12 o'clock start. You know, you, that was your routine, a 12 o'clock start. And then, you know, you, you're able to get home, see some 3.30 games, and obviously able to get home and see the night games. So there's a, a lot of people used to complain about the three 30 off breaks up your day. You know, it's like, you still got to get up early. You're going to be there late. It's like, no, no to the three 30 games. So, and, you know, uh, and then the noon game. And we all know that the real reason was, was TV, you know, the ESPN and Fox and ESPN, they, well, they flip flop every other week to have the number one pick and ESPN picked Ohio state and Penn state. And then Fox, Big Noon, as they call it, with Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt and uh, the All-American girl, Jenny Klatt, or Jenny uh, Jenny Taft. Sorry. Sorry, I, I had those two married. It's all right. I'm sure that happens once in a while. That's a nice guy. I like, I like Gus Johnson. I like Klatt. And uh, I love the All-American girl. So I, I don't mind the broadcast crew and and, you know, that's important. Like if we were sitting over here and we had Matt Millen on the call uh, or, you know, Beth Bowens and and uh, Dan Orlovsky or something, I would hate that a lot more. But, yeah, if I had my pick, I've gone on way too long already about it, I would pick a 730 game. Uh, and then if I had my second choice, I'd pick 330. And then if I had my third choice, I guess, you know, you don't get a third choice. I mean, it's one of those three. So that's it. You get the third choice. and. Uh, isn't it an advantage to Michigan that the the state crowd won't be as drunk and then therefore is not as loud? Uh, I'm not I'm not pitting my hopes on that, you know, from a Michigan standpoint. Like, oh, I got the noon draw. What an advantage for the Wolverines. The crowd won't be as loud. I, you know, I, I don't I don't think that's going to play into it, you know, in determining the game and when it starts. Well, call me a little bit crazy on that. Is it cool to run under the lights again? Go over that. A million times. Now, um, this is something that happens annually as well, and it's talking about the disrespect card for Michigan State. And at some point, I'll tweet uh, from now to the start of the game that the disrespect card is is real for Michigan State. Their fans play it. Their players play it. The coaches play it. And it goes something like this. Every day of the year, they're sitting around saying, you know, Michigan, even though you beat them last year, they have no respect for you. They have no respect for you as a football player, as a person, as any of this. And state's sitting around chewing gum powder, you know, all year long, like those son of a bitch Wolverines. And then on the Michigan standpoint, 
You know, it'll be like, hey, what do you think of, uh, you know, Michigan State? Oh, little, little brother? Oh, they got lucky last year. Uh, it, you know, it's complete luck. And you know, every year somebody will come out and and say, that's got absolutely nothing to do with the game and anything else. But I don't know, mindsets, countdown clocks, you know, those things seem to be important in college football. I mean, Michigan this year, they they've got it. You know, plastered up in their weight room. What are you doing every day to beat Ohio State or some such a fact? And, you know, countdown clocks are in a lot of college football locker rooms, counting down to the big game. And then we know that Michigan running backs coach Mike Hart, not that he got it started, but it was uh, – there was a changing going on there. It was like at the peak of, of you know, of Michigan at, at the uh, end of the uh, car regime there. And, you know, they were handling Michigan State, and Hart gave it the old little brother, and that's how you play the little brother. And D'Antonio couldn't have been any more furious, and he used that as um, whatever you want to say. Like, But the mantra, like he was not going to stand for Michigan State being disrespected by Michigan. He was pushing all of his chips. Uh, he had his scowl. He made fun of Mike Hart. And, and then, uh, you know, the rest is history there about how D'Antonio was able to turn around the uh, the series, and it was convenient that uh, Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke were there for all of it, most of it. And then, um, you know, that was that when it came down to it. And, but, you know, it, it's continued on. I, I saw a, a tweet this morning, and it was Braylon Edwards, the former wideout, who in the 2004 game had the incredible game against Michigan State. Well, Braylon has always played the disrespect. Like he has got no respect for Michigan State. Like he doesn't. Like he didn't when he was playing, and you know he he got the victory. And ever since he's been talking about how Michigan State, uh, you know, doesn't deserve any respect. And there it was again. He's like nobody knows anybody on their defense. I mean, it was something to the effect of that. Listening to Braylon Edwards, and you know that the, the disrespect card is real. You know the the part whether. You're a fan and you want to believe it or not, or it affects the game. Uh, they believe it. And so whether you do or not, you, you just have to realize that it, it's something that that state fans and players use every day of the year and their coaches and that Michigan fans are always like, that doesn't matter. They're the little brother. Don't worry about them. And, you know, Michigan Michigan uh, lost a game last year when they were like a 26-point favorite. So, uh, and we'll get to the overconfident part uh, uh, coming up. I want to do uh, uh, test something out, and to do that, I'm going to see if I can uh, add a producer, Rob Diddy. There he is. Well, I can hear you. Can you hear me talking while you were in the queue there? Yeah. Okay, that's good. So that, working on that part. That part's good. I, I had a, a computer hooked up with my soundboard, and I was all ready to go, and 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 I was ready to start things up and I was, I was testing out some of the audio and I'm like, you know, I'm going to get any level. So I got something to work on there. Not everything, you know, if you, if everything was always perfect, you know, you wouldn't have anything to work on. So. Exactly. Exactly. Give me a question. See if I can handle a, a question from, from you. All right. So who are your top five, big 10 coaches currently? Top five Big Ten coaches. All right, Rob. I appreciate you getting in and, and trying this. We're gonna we have to try it again tomorrow. All right. You'll have another question for tomorrow? Of course. All right, question for tomorrow. The question is, and there's Rob. 
the top five Big Ten coaches. And this with uh, with how Mel Tucker has Michigan State, where Kirk Ferentz had the Iowa Hawkeyes till this past weekend when they lost to Purdue, where James Franklin has the pro, all of it. So, yeah, top five coaches. Well, you know what? My number one coach in the Big Ten is uh, in action this week, and he will be in town, and that is Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern head coach. I think he's the best coach in the Big Ten. They're not having a great year this year, but two out of the last three years, the, the Big Ten West, they won it. Know what kind of players and personnel that he's working with. And uh, I know Michigan wanted uh, Pat Fitzgerald to – uh, to coach in Ann Arbor. There's plenty of other, whether it's uh, pros or, or college teams that will, will go after Fitzgerald, but he's a Northwestern man. Played there, coached there. I think he's going to coach there forever, but I have uh, Pat Fitzgerald as the number one coach. Number two, I have to look to Ohio State and Ryan Day. He's only been there for a couple of years, but he doesn't lose very many games. Now, he lost one this year at home. I think that was the first one he lost in the regular season because before that he had lost what in the, cha- uh, the championship game and then also losing then what was it to Clemson because he avenged that loss in the college football playoff. But yeah, like uh day's only been there for a minute and the way, but the way the recruiting's gone and the way that he has been able to keep it going down in Columbus, that's no small task, especially when you're following a <clears throat> legend, like Urban Meyer. I don't know why I had to cough there to see if I did. Uh, but I'll put Ryan Day at number two. At number three, best coach in the Big Ten, I will go to Happy Valley. And I'll give it to James Franklin. Now, do I think that Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than, than James Franklin, a, a game day coach, play caller? I think he I think he probably is. But if we're just dealing with what Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin have done in the Big Ten. Well, you know what? You look at how they've done against Ohio State, and we know how Michigan has done against Ohio State. And guess what? Penn State Penn State actually beat Ohio State with James Franklin as the head coach. So that's a notch uh, for Franklin. And, you know, their head-to-head record. I know the Penn State's won the last two. Talking about just Jim Harbaugh, why I would put James Franklin. I think you have to if you're a Michigan fan which, you know, you would put me in that category. But I put Franklin in front of him because of uh, his win. And then I believe he also has in that, in those games, not just the one win, but he also has two other just recently here where Penn State lost to Ohio State by one point. Now, Michigan had the one game where they, you know, they lost in in overtime The where JT Barrett could have been called short. He wasn't. And, you know, we all know that game. Michigan was very close to winning that one. It was a matter of inches. Well, Penn State's had two of those games where it's come down to a play. They've lost by one point. Michigan's had one. And in every other game, they pretty, they've been blowouts. They've lost all of them by double digits. You want to say, well, that one really wasn't a blowout. A little corn had. And, uh, you know, Michigan was there in the fourth quarter. It was a double-digit loss. Right? You know, now you're really split hairs. Is, is that going to vault you to put Harbaugh in front of uh, James Franklin as a head coach? If we're talking about what they did here. No. No, it wouldn't. So it would go to me, Fitzgerald, Day, Franklin, then Jim Harbaugh. I'll put him there at four. He's got this thing at the halfway point uh, looking pretty good for the Wolverines. Everybody with a big smile on their face. So, 
you know, at the time for the time being, I'll put um, Jim Harbaugh at number four. So number five, who else am I dealing with here? Those are all the Big Ten East coach. Am I going with uh, maybe uh, Paul Christ? You know, I kind of like what he has done. Paul Christ, Mel Tucker, Tom Allen there at Indiana, Kirk Ferentz. You know, I'm not a Ferentz. I don't, I don't think Ferentz is one of the top five coaches in the Big Ten, so I'll eliminate him. Certainly don't think it's Brent Bielema. Uh, Mel Tucker, well, who knows about Mel Tucker? Maybe. But I don't think Mel Tucker, I'm not going to put Mel Tucker in front of Paul Christ right now, the head coach of Wisconsin. So those are my five coaches and how I would rank them here today on Tuesday, October 19th. All right. Uh, thanks for the, the question, Rob. Now let's get to the overconfident part of um, the equation here when it comes down to the game, the backyard brawl between Michigan and Michigan State. Should you be overconfident if you're a, a Michigan State or a Michigan fan here? You know, the, the easy answer and the correct one is no. There's there's You shouldn't be feeling overconfident in, in any way. Being like, what do you think the Vegas number is going to be? It's going to be pretty close to pick them. Oh, maybe there'll be a point or two. Maybe it'll go up to three, but that's pretty close to being a pick them when, you know, you're talking about uh, the, the point spread here. So, there's no reason to be overconfident. Now, this goes back to what I was talking about with the disrespect card. I was um, lulled into overconfidence. Every year you need to remind yourself, even though you're like, yeah, I've, I've seen football for a long time, kind of know how it works. You know, you big games, you limit the big plays, win the ground game, special teams is big, don't turn it over. I mean, all those things that you say, but you need to be reminded by certain aspects every year. And one is being overconfident. And, and last year was a real big reminder. Like Michigan went out on the road at Minnesota, you know, after the, you know, the pandemic and everything else. And they, they, they were impressive against the Gophers. And oh, at the time, you know, I thought Minnesota, were they ranked? They were, they were ranked uh, in the top 25. You know, I know they shouldn't have rankings at the beginning of the year, but they did. And you know, it was a, it was a top 20 matchup, number 20 versus number 18. And, and Michigan won that. And, they look pretty impressive doing it. And meanwhile, so I was confident Michigan coming home and Michigan State having a, a first year head coach that they got late that that had to introduce himself to all of his players. And nobody was thinking that Michigan State was even going to win a game. If, if it was going to happen, it was going to be against Rutgers. And so that was the first game of the year. Well, I watched that game like everybody else and, and Michigan State, they couldn't have looked any worse than they did. And maybe Mel Tucker got in there and said, you know what? We're just, we're not worried about putting anything in for Rutgers. Let's put everything in for Michigan. I don't know. I don't know if he did that or not, but that's the way it looked. I mean, State turned the ball over seven times. Uh, it was an embarrassment. And so that the buildup to Halloween 2020, Michigan was what was a 25 point, 26 point favorite. Like, this is unheard of. When you're talking about a rivalry game, like like this particular game for sure, 26 points. And uh, I was thinking, you know, there's, you know, why not just unload? Why not be if there ever was going to be a year to be overconfident? This is going to be the one. Get overconfident. Get crazy. And you know, I I got overconfident and I got crazy. And then you know, Rocky Lombardi and Ricky White hooked up for 196 yards. And Don Brown pressed the corners up there. Joe Clatt, 
is going to be on the game this weekend, said, I would just keep throwing it deep. Every play, Goss, I'll just keep laying it. And uh, they didn't exactly do it every play, but every other play, they were throwing it deep. And it was a nightmare. And and I was overconfident. I say all that to say not to be overconfident this year when it comes down to it. How could you be? How could you be overconfident if you were a Michigan fan? I mean, you can like the team. I like the team. There's a lot to like about them. They're a perfect team. They're not like ready to say they're a championship team, but they did what you want to do in the first half. Number one, go undefeated. Number number two, they've got a, a lot of things to look at to feel good about for their chances to win some of these games against Michigan State, Penn State, <clears throat> and Ohio State. There it is. Coughing again whenever I mention the Buckeyes. I don't know. I got a lump in my throat about it. So, yeah, don't don't be overconfident. The other thing is is this game. It's always one of those uh, nice sports talk questions. Is this more important for, from a Michigan standpoint, the offense or defense? Which one is going to be more important? And you say, you know what? Defense, Michigan State's got uh, a trio of playmakers. When you look at the two wideouts of uh, Reed and Naylor, of course, Kenneth Walker, the third. I mean, they got a ground game. It's just going to be on the defense. I'm going to put it on the offense. Michigan's offense, I, I think you got to get to. Definitely have to get to 30, but I think you need to get into the mid-30s to think about winning this game from an offensive standpoint. Michigan had 32 against Nebraska, had 38 against Wisconsin, but only 20 measly points against Rutgers. I think it's going to take 35 points to to beat Michigan State, and you want to put it all in the defense of trying to stop Naylor and, and Reed and Thorne. Yeah, limiting those big plays, not letting them go for 70 and 80 yards at a clip or not letting Kenneth Walker rip off so like like look like Derrick Henry on Monday night last night. Yeah, that'd be a really good idea. But you know what? I, I think that Kenneth Walker is a, a pretty good back. Like thinking that you're just going to snuff him out and, you know, hold him to 50 yards and then do what Indiana was able to do to the wide receivers. Indiana did a good job. Can Michigan do that? They can. And, you know, maybe I'll be sitting here on a Monday and saying, you know what, I just have to give it to the defense. It, it was – it wasn't the offense. It was the defense that was more important. Look what they did. But heading into the game, I'm going to put it on the offense. Michigan's going to need to uh, produce somewhere in the mid-30s. Because I, I think when, sure, like, you know, Michigan's got a lot of nice uh, statistics defensively when you look across the country, how they've done against the run, and right down the board. I mean, they, you just look at it. They've got nice numbers. But I think – it's not going to be the third quarter against Nebraska where they gave up uh, 22 points. Yeah, 22 in the third. But it's going to be like the second half against Nebraska where you know Michigan had to score some points when they scored 19 because they had 13 at the half and ended up with 32. They still had to score points, but you know the defense is going to give up plays and they're going to give up big plays and they're going to, there's going to be – uh, touchdowns by the other team. I mean, that's not going to, ha- that's going to happen. And that's how I think it's going to go against these, at least the, the three big dogs. And I'll put Michigan state and Penn state and Ohio state in that category. Like th- those teams are going to, they're going to score. And it doesn't mean Michigan's defense is a defense sucks. It means that that's the name of the game now in college football. It's like, you know, it's, it's like basketball, man. You, you need to have a very efficient offense and, and I think that's what's going to have to happen. I, I, I Try to contain those guys as much as you can. It's not like you can let them go out there and, and get theirs. 
But the defense to me, just like in Nebraska, you know, they gave up some points. The offense kept getting their back and uh, they, they didn't all just curl up when, you know, Nebraska took the lead. Oh, it's over. You know, no, uh, Blake Corum went down there and scored and, 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 you know, Michigan then gave up another one and, and here's Nebraska, you know, tying the game up and what looks like, you know, we're destined to see overtime in Lincoln and what happened? Well, the, the super senior for Michigan happened, Brad Hawkins, number two, came up with the strip of Martinez and, and Michigan ended up winning. And then, you know, they got the pick by Daxon Hill getting a turnover. You know, you can give up points and you can give up scores. You can give up big plays, but when it comes down to it and you're out there, can you come up with a, with a big play to get the ball back to win the game? I think it's going to be like that against Michigan state, Penn state <coughs> and Ohio state. That's the way it's going to go. I am coughing like that because I'm just not ready to, when it comes to Ohio state and maybe as things, you know, just keep, it's like a couple of years ago, I was saying the same thing, the game where Michigan was playing at Ohio State and everybody, myself included, was, uh, you know, that said, you know, I can't believe I'm doing it, but I'm picking Michigan. Maybe that'll be the case. But right now, that's not the case. You know, Ohio State's, you know, that's going to be a tough game. and uh, It is at the big house. Well, there you go. Get that going for you. Michigan. So. So that's it. Uh, I put it more on the offense than uh, the defense. Uh, a couple of things that I wanted to hit on here before I go. One is that Mel Tucker being up for the LSU head coaching job. State fans, oh my God, you know he's not going anywhere. Well, the the, the two sides of the of the the freight here, the two sides of the ledger. I don't know what the freight is. Is that one is uh, Mel Tucker has shown that in his coaching career, that if there is a job that looks more appealing, that he'll take it. And uh, you, you can't, I mean, you can, if you're one of those teams that he left, like Colorado, you know, one day he's like, I love it here for Colorado. He's, yeah, I do love it here. Okay. I'm gone. And you know that, that, but you understand that Colorado, Michigan state was a better job, big 10 than what the PAC 12 was looking at uh, at the time. And, Tucker got more money. Yeah, that's it. Like so, you can say is LSU a better job than Michigan State? And it is. And money wise, I mean, Tucker's already top fifteen, top ten. When they say it's not going to be about the money, Michigan State would give them the raise. It's always about the money. And if it's not about the money, like right then, like State will match anything that LSU would potentially give them. You know, they'd give him more money for his assistants, give him, you know, additional money for a weight room, whatever. I mean, all those things, when you start winning, you, you get all those things. I mean, it's nice. Winning uh, at big-time programs is really nice. They start showering you with everything that you could possibly, you know, ask for. But the thing about LSU, you have to ask yourself, is is um, is it going to be easier to achieve a national championship if you're at LSU or if you're going to be at Michigan State? LSU. I think state fans know that. Uh, you know, maybe Tucker, you know, this time is going to want to, you know, keep his stakes in the ground for a little bit longer before, you know, he's not just jumping at the at the first job. But, you know, nobody can blame him again there. So uh, he's done an excellent job. And, you know, from an LSU standpoint, I've seen some of the names there. It's kind of some of the same ones that have been up for the USC job, like James Franklin. Huh? Maybe James Franklin wants to go to USC. Maybe he wants to go to LSU. But one thing about Tucker is that, he went with Nick Saban 
to LSU and was a coach with them down there in Baton Rouge. Now, if I'm an LSU fan, it doesn't mean everything. But if you are an LSU fan, you say, boy, you know, we could really, we'd love to have our, our next Nick Saban. Well, they got Nick Saban from Michigan State. And so, yeah, you know, it, it, it's not going to hurt that Mel Tucker coaches at Michigan State, got the connections to Nick Saban, was on the staff down there, is having success there. You know, I, I, I can see that being mentioned, like, you know, in the fan base saying, you know, yeah, you know, he's not Nick Saban, but Nick Saban came from East Lansing. And look at us now. So I, I think there's a, I think there's a real chance. And, you know, when you have a really good coach, other teams are going to be coming after him. Now, there, there's very few exceptions. I never thought John Beeline, any team would come after him. I thought, you know, he's not a, you know, a pro coach. I thought the same thing with Izzo, but both of those. And in in Beeline's case, I obviously know that he jumped. And with Juwan Howard, I mean, Juwan Howard has just got to Michigan. It was He wasn't even in his first tournament because, you know, like nobody played in the tournament the first year wasn't even playing in his uh, first tournament. Everybody was like, he's going pro. Well, his his son, Jace, was a freshman on the team, and, and his uh, his other son, Jet, was, was uh, a senior in high school, and now he's committed to play for Michigan. You know, Not that saying that Juwan Howard couldn't say, you know, I want to go pro. Been a pro guy the whole time. He seems like he, you know, he's in a great spot. He's recruiting fantastically. He's got his kids. His wife loves Ann Arbor. Like all those things being said, like, you know, I think Juwan – he was going to stay at Michigan. I don't know about Tucker. Maybe Tuck, when everybody's saying hashtag uh, Tuck's coming, maybe, it, you know, Tuck's leaving. It could happen. So it's at least something to keep an eye on. I don't know. I didn't, Am I going to bet on it? Would, would I, did I think, do I think that if offered the job, that Mel Tucker will take the LSU job? Yes. It's easier recruiting there too. It's easier recruiting, which brings you to the better chance at winning a national championship. And when they say it's not about the money, it always is about the money. And you say, well, stay can, you know, match any offer, which they can. But if you win a national championship, the money you make is going up. And you, then, then you can, you know, you can call your shot for anything forever. So it's a better job. And if offered, I do believe he'll take it. Now there were two, things before I leave you that I wanted to hit on. Both of them are the same uh, question. It has to do with the quarterback at Michigan. Okay, McNamara, the starter, the true freshman, J.J. McCarthy. We've seen McCarthy sprinkled in there. I listened to the news conference from Harbaugh yesterday who was asked about it, and he just, uh, he was asked if, is it does he do it on feel, or is it a set plan to get McCarthy in? He said both. And then, you know, sometimes the field part, like against uh, Wisconsin, it was a short yardage situation down near the red zone. And then one down on the goal line where you thought you'd need a running quarterback. Well, that was a field, but you could also say that was a set plan. Obviously it was a set plan to bring McCarthy out for the first play against Wisconsin and just hand it off. I mean, they're looking at that and we're like, well, what does that achieve? It just gets a guy a snap. You get a prepared mentally, you get, McNamara prepared mentally for the possibility of, you know, the quarterback shuffle and everything, you know, it had its purpose, even though we're watching it, like, mm, what the hell's going on here? That's what it's about. And then uh, Brad Galley from channel seven interviewed uh, Harbaugh, which was, uh, he gave a more expounded on it a little bit. And, you know, he said, Hey, what if uh, McNamara 
breaks his um, chin strap. It's nice to be able to have another guy in. This is a, this is all uh, changed here. Uh, and it's interesting from a Michigan standpoint. I know there's a lot of Michigan fans like, there's nothing going on here. Don't worry about it. You know, this is the plan. Well, there is a lot going on here. Like, one, anytime you rotate quarterbacks, there's something going on. <laughs> there's uh, all through my entire life, there's something going on. It's never worked, exception. You know, talk about a freshman Tebow and a Chris Leak. There might be some other instances, but for the most part, it backfires and, you know, it gets coaches fired. It doesn't work. But the, the, the other couple of things is it just changed a couple of years ago with, with Dabo bringing in Trevor Lawrence when he had a senior. And it also changed at, during the championship game when uh, Tunga Vailoa was put in over Jalen Hurts at halftime of the championship game. And Alabama won that game. Uh, Tunga, or I'm sorry, uh, Tua, Tunga Vailoa was, was a true freshman at that point. That was a huge move by Nick Saban. He's always like, well, you'd never want to put a freshman in, a, in that kind of situation. It's like, well, Nick Saban did. And, and the thing about Jim Harbaugh, if we're talking about him quickly, about his time, in Ann Arbor, what are the first couple things that people are going to say? Well, he hadn't beaten Ohio State. would probably be the first thing that I would say. But number two, I would say, you know, the, the crazy part, Harbaugh, you know, played in college, uh, you know, played the position in college on the pros, and then, you know, had um, Andrew Locke. And, and you know, you think about in the pros what, what he did, rotating his quarterbacks at, at San Francisco, he had Kaepernick and, and, and how everything worked there. It's to, to think about his time in Ann Arbor is that was going to be the thing that he would struggle with the most that Michigan has not had first year. You know, they did with Rudock. Uh, he, he made the pick and seemed like the right selection. And after that, I don't know, from spate to everything else and guys transferring. And I don't know. It's been, it's been a mess even, you know, to this year, like now it gets us to, Here's Harbaugh sprinkling a guy in and putting him in. And uh, McNamara had a a uh, a poor second half against Rutgers. And meanwhile, McCarthy, you know, he's throwing the ball. He can run better. It looks like he can throw better. But can he do everything else? Can he get the team up to the line? I just saw Taquan Roberson last week come in when Sean Clifford for Penn State got hurt, and uh, you know, Roberson looked like a fish out of water. Looked terrible. Couldn't handle the first snap, 10 false starts, you know, that he lost them the game, that they didn't have a backup quarterback. Uh, the other part is, is that, you know, Kate McNamara is, you know, how things work with the free year and everything. You know, he's a redshirt freshman, come a redshirt sophomore now with a bonus year or something else. I mean, these guys have the, a, a lot, you know, he could be the starter for the next three years. So if McCarthy, who's a five-star, which plays into this as well, if he wasn't feeling like he was getting any time or had any chance, next year he could just be like like in that Dr. Pepper commercial when you jump through that, that transfer portal. You're gone like that. Like in Star Wars, not Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever that thing was called in the back. You know, you just stood there and it just zapped you to somewhere else. I mean, he could be instantly zapped to USC or wherever. So you're trying to play that that game as well, and that's new. That's new this year. So the old rule, rules don't apply. So do I think Jim Harbaugh is playing it right? I, I do think he's playing it right because I, I do think, like, if you have a bad half, 
if you're Cade McNamara, let's just say, probably not a lot of fun for Michigan fans to hear it, but let's just say you're a Michigan fan and Cade McNamara does not play well in the first half against Michigan State. Would you be surprised? Would you be reluctant if you were the head coach to put in J.J. McCarthy? I wouldn't. Not if he played poorly in the first half. Now, one series, one pick, you know, I know, put him in. I mean, that's where it's going to come down to. When, when, and, you know, if, when and if. That's that's why you get paid the big bucks. Or in, in this case for Harbaugh, half of the big bucks that he was making. I'm taking a shot at him. It's just the way it is. So that's it. Uh, one other thing that I want to say, like, comes down to uh, trick plays. And there can be trick plays when you get into, you know, the, the rivalry games and, and everything else. And a lot of times you're like, don't resort to gadget plays. But you always put something in. But, you know, last night on Monday Night Football, there were two awesome gadget plays. One of them worked. One of them didn't. You know, the, the Bills were taking on the Titans. And the Titans, Mike Vrabel, the head coach for the Titans, put in a Music City Miracle where 22 years ago, it was whoever it was, the tight end, threw across. This was a playoff game, you know, and he took it the distance. This time, man, he had the gunner from being way up, ran all the way back, and the pass ended up being forward. But if you look, you saw the uh, end zone cam. It was it was designed so perfectly, just the way you draw it up, except that the pass went forward, which is illegal. <laughs> they could have thrown a, you know, the pass, you know, three or four yards back. He had one guy to beat, and, you know, it ended up being like a, I think they got it up close to midfield now five yards back. And it was, it was awesome. And the other one was Josh Allen from the bills. They had one of these like uh, Philly specials in the super bowl. And I don't know if it was exactly, it seemed like maybe a, an additional, uh, a Billy special, an additional lateral or something before they threw it to Josh Allen. It was pretty cool, but it's like, man, this is fun. This is fun. And, you know, the other side is, is that uh, Derrick Henry, just as a uh, a running back in a game where it's just, you know, pass, pass, pass. <laughs> you just, you get Derrick Henry, man, you just get him the ball. It's just like, this guy's an um, unbelievable treat to watch. There's nothing like him. They're showing his workout regimen of some of that running up hills at 250 and 6'3", weights dangling from everywhere, chains and, there's, there's uh, been very few athletes that uh, bring to the table what Derrick Henry brings, and it's, uh, it's something special. All right, I want to thank Rob Diddy for joining me with the question of the day about the Big Ten coaches. That's going to do it. I'm done as 50 in here. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll have this uh, going up video-wise, feedback coming in from you, all those kind of, kind of things right now. Till next time, I will give you 